You're tuned in to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, I've gotten fat. Why? Because I like to munch on unhealthy snacks. But all that is about to change. Thanks to Power Bites. Power Bites offers a nutritious and healthy alternative to junk foods without all the unhealthy ingredients. Power Bites come in two flavors. Almond peanut butter crunch and salt peanut butter crunch. Both of my favorites. More importantly, they are gluten free, soy free and dairy free. And they're good. Don't believe me? Try for yourself. Pick up a variety pack at eatpowerbites.com. www.eatpowerbites.com. And use the promo code HERTS15. That's H-E-A-R-S-T-15. Oh, I almost forgot to mention. It's black on. More of a reason to go to www.eatpowerbites.com. E-A-T-P-O-W-E-R-B-I-T-E-S EatPowerBites.com And order your variety pack Enjoy Back to the Bruh's Bookshelf Love Rookie She give them all the cookies But cookies on me pussy This girl is kinda loosey Dudes take her off the shelf And they put her on credit 30 days later, they return it and regret it. Use like a dish rag, dump with a hashtag. I blame it on the pussy. That shit must be bad. Broken pussy. Broken pussy. Maybe it's dry as hell. Maybe it really smells. Broken pussy. Maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough. Broken pussy. Nobody wants you cause you got a broken pussy. Nobody wants you cause you got a broken pussy, broken pussy. Broken pussy. Hey, maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough, broken pussy. Hey, maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough, broken pussy. Hey, broken pussy. Welcome. To another podcast episode of the Bruh's Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens. I'm joined with my beautiful wife, Dr. Teresa Givens. I have my line brother with me, Donovan Snipe. Hey, hey, hey. What's good? And I also have Dr. Harvey Hinton, the third. Hey, 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 hey. Today on the Bruh's Bookshelf, we present to you this coming-of-age story of an upper-middle-class black girl who is awkward and is growing up in the world at the fledgling stages of the internet. She doesn't quite have a space, but she seems to have embraced her differences and just move in spaces where she wants to be, and it works for her. In this hilarious book, it provides insight on the young girl's thoughts and emotions. Without further ado, The Bruh's Bookshelf presents to you from the creator of HBO's Insecure, 
Issa Rae's The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Broken pussy. Broken pussy. Maybe it's dry as hell. Maybe it really smells broken pussy. Hey. Maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's had enough broken pussy. Donovan, what made you pick this book? Um, I've been a fan of Issa Rae for uh, a while, ever since like the Aqua Black Girl series uh, on YouTube. I don't know. I just always thought she was funny. She's pretty creative. So I was like, well, let me see what her book's about. Douse to the side, get his ass in the bed. Even if it's whack, you can still get some head. Go for it. Go for it. Go. Ho for it. Ho for it. Ho. Dude, you want that dick or no? You better go for it. Go for it. Ho. And she's pretty much that same person. But I don't know. Like the, the book gives you insight into like how this person becomes who they are. And that's that's kind of like what you see throughout the book is like different I know different experience that you see kind of, that kind of helps like mold her into who she becomes ultimately, um, which is like a well-rounded, well-traveled, multilingual, corny, non-dancing creative genius. So I hear that you watched her web series. So how does the web series compare to Insecure? Because I I watched Insecure, but I've not seen the web series. Um. They're very similar. I mean, they the some of the premises are the same. She works at a nonprofit. She has weird ass coworkers and like friends. There's like certain aspects of it that's that's slightly different. Um, and I would probably say the web series is a little bit more of a comedy, whereas Insecure is, I'd I'd probably just put that more in a drama category with like f- funny scenes, but. Do you Those think are kind of that the, the web series is closer to her real life? Probably. Well, yeah, because she gets in all types of crazy, crazy shit on in the in the series, and like the people are way weirder. I don't know. Probably. I think I've watched more of this the web series than I have actual insecure though, so it might be hard for me to judge. So you're really not qualified to. Might not be. He's a little bit more qualified than me. You and, might not be qualified. And you too. <laughs> so you on this personal. panel, <laughs> he's about the most qualified. When I was reading this book, I was thinking about Insecure. And I think Insecure is an adaptation of our real life. There were characters in this book who were her best friends for real that I made direct correlation to the characters in Insecure. Like her friend Megan, the attorney, could be Molly. Molly and Megan are both attorneys. Molly and Megan are both AKAs. Then she has another friend, uh, Akila. She runs a tutoring program. That could be either Kelly or Tiffany on Insecure. So I saw a lot of parallels with her life and the show. Aha. Did anybody else see that? Yes, we did. But we also have not seen the web series. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never seen I, the web series. I, I saw I episode one of the web, web series, but I saw Insecure and I read this book. So did we. But Okay, I so think- you could have saw what I saw. Why I think not? one one of the major 
Y'all, y'all was Go going ahead, back Harvey. Was, I'm sorry. Y'all finish that up. Yeah. No, we done. <laughs> I said what I said. You I know, said. it's it's very it's the same um, all the time. Uh, parallels seem pretty hard to draw, but you can have a parallel of something. It just doesn't have to be the same. There are plenty of parallels in the story that I read and in Insecure, but because I haven't seen the web series, I was curious. ASL. Can we talk about how she uh, setting herself off of these predators on the internet before predators was getting caught on the internet? I thought I that mean, was hilarious. She's 11, <laughs> 11 years old with a screen name and a self-proclaimed cyber hoe because she's out there catfishing. It's getting them. Like, Get internet hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then when the dude sent a real picture of himself, she was like, oh, hold on. This seems way too real. Hold on now. You broke up the I fantasy. Said, <laughs> she, she, was at, she was at the cusp of fake internet. Like mm-hmm. when you have your whole cyber persona, your yeah. whole Instagram persona. But when somebody make it real to you, you don't know what to do. And and, and that's and that's real deep because like, like children's developmental theories and stuff, like it's been long said that children have uh, imaginary audiences and personal fables when they're going through early adolescence. And so these theories were created before the internet and the internet just exaggerates what's really happening already naturally because now they are exposing themselves to so many other people. They have totally different personalities. I mean, they get to come on the screen and be whoever they want to be and just detach themselves from the the world that they're living in for a moment. And um, I think her 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 storytelling of it, it was the first time I had heard it before from the standpoint of a, of a black girl, you know, um, in a modern society with access to that level of technology. And it leads her to the pedos. But it was <laughs> really important for her because she did not have friends other than that this is her outlet to actually talk to someone and be accepted and be whoever she wanted to be because where she was in reality was the awkward overweight non-attractive nothing fit the stereotype of beauty for her at that time so this was her complete getaway right it makes me wonder though, like, I mean, I was I was privileged in the sense that I was I excelled at things, but was I cool? I don't think I was cool. Was I awkward? Very much so. So my question is like, how many people are really accepted at that age? Like how many people don't think that they're awkward or who don't think they don't fit in at that age? And and in life we learn that the person that's really cool at that age is normally the person with the most fucked up experiences at home and they're masking, right? So it's, it's a real common experience for young people to feel out of place. And I just think she had the brilliance to be able to capture it in words and way. I mean, she's writing screenplays. I mean, she's 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 got the fortitude to write a screenplay at, and 14. Send, at 14 and send it to uh, notable uh, directors. And, and, and it's, it's amazing, you know? It's amazing. Hey, one thing I think, though, that's different from um, 
the show. I, I haven't seen the web series either. I watched maybe three quarters of the first season of um, um, the show. Um, Insecure. So, Insecure. So I didn't know that she had this Senegalese background. And her her story, the book, when she jumps in talking about the pronunciation of her name, it being Jope as, as opposed to Diop, like, I didn't know that watching Insecure. I didn't know that she had an African um, or origin story like that. And I thought that that drew me more into her, right? And her name was also interesting. Not the joke part. We'll get back to that in a minute. But the Issa part was very interesting to me because the first time I heard Issa was when your boy was talking about it's a knife. Y'all, y'all remember that? When 21 was talking about it's a knife? That's the first time I heard Issa before, right? So when I saw her name was Issa Ray, like I didn't know that was a real person because I'm thinking that, you know, the, 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 the multimedia pop culture is playing off of it's a knife. So to know that that's her, her real name of African Senegalese descent and origin, like that is so beautiful for me. It makes her, even to me, a more beautiful person. I mean, she's brilliant. There's an organization called Jack and Jill. And Jack and Jill was established 1938. And it's an organization for pretty much wealthy black people so their kids can hang out with other wealthy black people kids. I wouldn't say it like that. Okay. It's supposed to be so they have connection to their culture, dog. Well, it's at that sweet spot. Where, because they isolated in the world. Because you're world. isolated, exactly. Because most, the majority of black people in Please America. Please let me clean that up. Thank so, <laughs> Jack and Jill <laughs> was founded so that other people of color could be with other people of color of the same standard because, as Harvey just stated, they were not in the same areas and it just made it better to have a group so that the children had people who looked like them that could be with them. I.E., if I live in a neighborhood and I am the only black family in this neighborhood, then my child needs someone to be with. So here's a group where we can get together. And from all these neighborhoods, we come and meet and have similar interest. And it's based off social economic status. And I say that because she had a hard time fitting in because of her social economic status and where she grew up. And she only grew in America. up around people that didn't look like her. But when she moved to L.A., once she hung around the people that looked like her, other black people, she saw how wide the gap was culturally between her and the way she grew up and the other black people, which made her even more awkward. Yeah, but like that was kind of only her American experience, right? Like, Because when she was in Senegal, it wasn't... I don't think it was that different for her when she was home. Like, No, because they didn't value the things that we valued in America. But she had them CDs, though. And she all she had to do was go to Senegal with some CDs, and that, that gave her a little social clout. So she she knew how to flex in, in different spaces, you know? And I think, I think that's what, though... It does make her awkward, because she... She's not buying into the same old bullshit black narrative of struggle. Like, she don't have that. 
You know, she she really does. And she's been exposed to Senegal. She's been in California, she's in New York. So she's been traveling the world. And I think we all know that traveling exposes you to things and it just makes you smarter just, just by being exposed naturally. I wanted to talk about the divorce and how the divorce was an adjustment period which revealed to them how much they depended on a system in which they were accustomed to, in which the father provided and the mother made sure things operated. It's almost like you never consider breathing until you're without air. And I say that because that was a scene, I think I'm jumping too far, where her mother and father had separated and her mother had worked all day. And when she called her mother, her mother was frustrated and said, y'all make y'all own hamburgers. And when her mother came in from work, her mother looked around and they was excited to see her mother. And they was like, hey, mom, we made hamburgers all by ourselves. And her mother said, well, did you make me some? And she said, no. And then her mother started crying and went to her room because she never thought to consider her mother, her doing for her mother in which her mother was doing for her. I cook for mama. She, what? That don't make no sense. Why would I need to do that? Mom always got food. She always eats. Oh, you was hungry too? I saw that totally different. Um, that Go ahead. You a mama. I know. The whole motivation behind them cooking was not because they were excited. They were upset. They were upset because their mother was working and they were acting out. And so they were like, I'm go- I'm- we're going to cook our own hamburgers. And of course, they didn't think about her because they were doing it out of spite. And then when the mom came home, they were like, we cooked our own hamburgers. Her mother told them to cook. Yes, because their mother was busy and frustrated. And so she felt some type of way because her mother was not there to cook. I thought they wanted McDonald's, no? It was other times that they wanted McDonald's, and their oh. granddaddy put peppers and onions in the burgers, and they were upset. Man, and that's it's funny, because their granddad <laughs> is from New Orleans. Their mother yeah. is from New Orleans. And I think that was a joke a comedian said when he said, uh, when the kids asked for a McDonald's, and the mama said, hey, boy, I can make you some McDonald's here. And put bell peppers. Eddie Murphy, I want McDonald's. And he said, I can put bell, so, and he put the bell peppers and the onions yes. in the patty. And she said, uh, and I said, mm. Uh. Yeah, because ain't nobody want that fancy shit. Give me this processed meat. That's on the sesame seed bun. On a bun. Pretty much. I mean, it's just kind of, which is what you prefer. My mom prefers buns. I like sliced bread for burgers. Some people don't like fancy shit. She came from such a great family where there was never any financial issues and everything was all good and well until her mom and dad got a divorce. She seemed like she was so straight after that divorce. She didn't seem like she went through this, the same divorce trauma like other rich kids be going through. Like, yeah. Because not I, only that, she they had been used to their dad not living with them. Their dad didn't live with them a lot. And so there was that other thing that you were just talking about that I was like, no, that's not right either. Man, I'm 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 bugging because I'm I'm thinking some foul shit and I'm trying not to say it, but I can't help it. Why say it? 
Man, her daddy is a fucking doctor. And it's a classic case of these fucking people don't know how to labor. The division of labor in the black family is so fucked up. Like, you got to tell this story right. He's a doctor and he's working and she just don't want to fucking be there. So they, they're separated because of cause occupation, not because of personality. And being separated because of occupation causes the fucking... Uh, dynamics between the children to change. That's why they got a divorce. This has got nothing to do with regular bullshit that's, that's, that's consistent with most of the black stories. But it's, it's separated ref- because it's this, but you got of a division of labor. Exactly. We cannot understand the division of labor. And the division of labor is what causes so much angst in our households. And it's just fucked up. But you know, the mom worked too. She didn't she, have to. She worked... Before, That's my point. That's and my I'm not point. sure whether she had to or not. I don't feel like she didn't I, have to work. This man, this man wanted to open. I'm not trying to overtalk you, Teresa. This man was trying to open hospitals and shit. This man constantly sending people that back and later. forth to Senegal. Nah, no, this dude had paper the that whole was at time. The beginning. He had a compound back there. She just didn't fucking want to do what she needed to do. Like we we don't. It's the division of labor. We got to figure it out. Okay, so this book jumped around a lot. Um, I hope that we're noticing that because that was one of the things well, that I all didn't over the place. care for. <laughs> I really, I, I kind of like for stories to go in a line when they're this type of story, but she would jump around. So right. she went from when she was young to older, back to middle, back to younger. And I was actually trying to piece together that timeline, but I do believe in the very beginning, because you all do realize that doctors do not make a lot of money when they first start. When they first start, right. So when her when she was on the internet, her mother was working. She would say that her mother had worked and came home to take naps. So she had that time to be unsupervised when maybe that was necessary because then there were other times when the mother did not work. I thought, all right, when she was on the internet doing that internet stuff, I thought they were living in Los Angeles at this time Mm -hmm. because that was at the time I think her older brother had went off to Morehouse. Her, Her grandmother is the one that got on the internet and found the address to send her script off. So by the time that they were in Los Angeles, her dad had already had that failed adventure in uh, Senegal trying to open up the hospital. And then after Senegal, the family moved to Potomac, Maryland. It was there when he came back from Senegal and he moved in with the, the family the mother had already established her way of doing things. And I kind of understood what he was saying. About it was very eye-opening, bro. Huh? It was very eye-opening. Go ahead, continue. Yeah, I understood what he was saying was like, they had pretty much moved on without him and built a life without him. And as a man, like, he, when he tried to, you know, say, do this or do this, the mother would be like, no, no. I, I already I got mean, this. They go to bed at this time. They do this at this time. And it's like, damn, I'm I mean, not adequate in here. It was very eye-opening, man, because, I mean, I, I'm you know, you know what it means to live away from your family. 
You know, exactly. and I, you know, it's something that we've considered. You know what I mean? And it's like that was that was very eye opening to see that outcome. And you know, basically, he didn't see. You know, it was you know, y'all don't need me no more, or I can, we can, we can do this better. You, you guys are fine. It might not even be you don't need me anymore. You guys are fine. I don't want to disrupt what you got going on. So I'm a, I'm gonna let y'all have that. <laughs> I thought they got a divorce because no, he was not cheap. really. That, not that's really. ancillary. That no, not really. that's not ancillary. Not they really. got a divorce because he was no, cheating because he felt he yeah. wasn't necessary. <laughs> And he and he chose to feel that way. Like, he's why from do a polygamous like country, man. You're where, not the major where, contributor when all of this it, shit is around because of your efforts. Like, why would you even feel that way? He felt isolated. No, I, boo. Yeah, but he isolated himself though. Like, who who told him to go to these places and and, and do these things in remote he's places? A man. He came in a doctor I'm down a the street. Exactly. I'm a man. A man must do. You. Doc, doc, a doc, a doctoral degree is pretty portable. I have you can take, take a medical degree, medical degree, first. to a lot of places and use it. You don't have to travel the world away from your family. That was, that was his, his choice. choice. That ain't why they broke up. They broke up because he couldn't yes, keep his and his they pants. were. She was very happy to be in Senegal with him. That was she not the it. issue. And this, you know, and Harvey, you made the comparison. But it was a lot the same. It's like, I don't want to raise my boys in Los Angeles in this gang culture. I will go to our your, not even my home country. I will go to your home country and raise these boys if you want to stay here in Los Angeles. Whose sacrifice was that? I want to speak on this from a man's perspective and being married to an American black woman. Be careful. I got this. (laughs) There was a time when we were married and I had to live in a different state. She held the house down. I was presented with that same type of scenario when he came home that he was presented with. But I understood that ego and pride had to be set aside because that was her house. That was her order. That was her way of doing things. There was times where I didn't agree with some of the ways that she did things, and I kept quiet. And then, you know, other times I said I said things that didn't work out well for me. But I had to humble myself, and I had to realize I had to essentially get in where I fit in, right? Because do I want a woman that's strong and can hold it down in my absence, or do I want a woman that's very docile and submissive and asks me every damn thing that comes up and she can't take care of business in my absence. So I chose the first and with the first, you're going to get that type of woman. And I think that him being married to American woman and when he came into town and she was running things her way and his African male pride, it just didn't blend. So instead of working it out, I'm going to have to agree with Donovan and Teresa. He ran. And he used that as an excuse to cheat. The way he cheated. And I think as men, when we do that, or women, if you're in a relationship and you breach that relationship, it not only affects you, it affects the children. It affects the whole household in a negative way. My, My take on division of labor 
does not mean women be submissive to men. Let me let me put that out there first and foremost. Division of labor does not mean the man is the head, the man is in charge, and what the man say goes. Let me, let's, let me get that part. Let me go back to that. That's not that's not what it's about. And I think African women on the content are just as strong, if not stronger, than black women in the United States. So I don't think it's a situation of a man coming from the continent, first coming in contact with a strong black woman and not knowing what to do. It's a it's a beautiful way that we frame that and it can it can land somewhere and it can make sense. And I just think, you know, you know, we just I, it's a story, even though it was her life. I mean, we can we can feel how we would like to feel about it. But, you know, the idea that the separation, it, it did hurt her. I don't think it was something that um that she just downplays. I think it did, it did hurt her. Um, the fact that her father was involved with another woman did hurt her. And um, I like the fact that they were able to talk about it and she was able to listen to his side of the story. And again, these are things that we don't hear in typical black struggle stories. The idea that the family came to some closure. She was able to, I mean, she talked <laughs> pretty reckless about her stepmother. That and, was and, years later though. I mean, but but still and the that fact- that was after him being stubborn. He but reminded me a lot of Akeem. But, she, but she's still young, though. So years later is only yeah. fucking three, four, five years. It's not like right. a lifetime. She's still young, right. you know, so. I agree. You know what I mean? So, I mean, she's telling this. We, we're getting the story now, but she wrote this during the Obama era. So this shit been happening, you know. But just to the point, man, I think I think it's, it's a beautiful way of connecting those dots so that she's not living. She saw the hurt that it caused her mom. You know what I'm saying? I think that's that that definitely sent her somewhere else in terms of her her love interest and how she saw herself in the future because she didn't want to see herself like her mom. You but know? she was also a daddy's girl. She was a daddy's Very girl. So. Very much so. And when her baby sister was born, she was like, oh my gosh, I might lose my daddy's girl status. But she also was angry with her mother when the divorce came up because the way they sat down and talked about it, she felt like it was her mother's fault, the way it was presented and kudos to her mother for allowing that to even go down that way. Because I wouldn't have, I mean, honestly, I, I would have been in the room. <laughs> tell them, tell them why, tell them what you did, tell them what you did. But tell them why we get a divorce. Yeah, tell why he but the mother you know, she was on cold the entire time. She stood there. She just explained to them, you know, you're going to live here with me. And she let it go. And so she was a very strong woman for doing that. But, you know, I found in the story what we were saying, and I don't have on my glasses, so I'm going to give a go at it. But it talks about Right after this had all gone down and imagine all the pain and everything that's going through her mother's mind. She's got these children and now she really is doing it without him in the sense of having that union. It says in one instance, my brother, sister and I came home from school to find that she was still at work. She being the mom. After a couple of hours passed, we grew hungry, and I called and asked her 
what we'd be having for dinner. Now, mamas, we get this call all the time. We're like, I'm at work. Why are these children calling me about food? Mama, I'm hungry. Right. And I'm working because now I'm single and I have all of this stuff on my mind. And at least one of y'all is 15 years old. Why are you calling me about food? So, what? The mother says, there's lots of food in the fridge. Fix something! Exclamation point. (laughs) I say that. Calling me for what? Fix something. (laughs) Fix something. Then she says, "Ugh, fine." I obliged with much gratitude, not gratitude, gratitude. The three of us decided we'd cook up some hamburgers. We made a whole big messy activity of it. When my mother came home that evening, exhausted from the day, she barely stepped foot into the kitchen before we jokingly boasted we made our own hamburgers. My mother looked around the kitchen at the mess we had left behind. Then she paused and frowned at us and said, you didn't make me any? As my mother stood there, I realized this hadn't even occurred to any of us to do. What was wrong with us? So it wasn't spiteful. It was just kids being kids. They was fucking around. It was bratty. And Teresa, why did you read that like the lady read the scripture at church? Because that's how it happened. <laughs> she won't be in spite. But... She was, and that uh, is what happened. <laughs> First of all, that Teresa, was you was putting a lot of inflections on because the... that's <laughs> what home. happened. And because I guess home. because you're men, you don't understand things. Yeah. But Donovan was feeling it. And I, I don't know if maybe you was listening to it at 1.5 or whatever, and you missed all the inflection of her story when she was telling it. But I very clearly heard what she was saying when she said it. Yeah. But anyway, um, moving on. There was something else that jumped out in this book. And I thought it was dope as hell. When she was talking about Janot Diaz. Janot I know. I says, Spanish. You guys know about vampires. You know, vampires have no reflection in the mirror. Mm-hmm. There's an idea that monsters don't have reflections in the mirror. And what I've always thought isn't that monsters don't have reflections in a mirror, is that if you want to make a human being into a monster, deny them at the culture level any reflection of themselves. And growing up, I felt like a monster in some ways. I didn't see myself reflected at all. I was like, yo, is something wrong with me? That the whole society seems to think that people like me don't exist? And that part of what inspired me was this deep desire that before I died, I would make a couple of mirrors. And I would make some mirrors so that kids like me can see themselves reflected back and might not feel so monstrous for it. I thought that was a dope quote. So she took that quote. That quote changed her life. That was her motivation to go out and write scripts. And to, she said she grew up watching 90s television. And as she got older, the television shows didn't reflect the type of blacks 
that she knew and she was used to. So she wanted to go out and make shows about herself. And one of the funny things was when she started talking about Precious. Oh, shit. Because you got to be this fat, black, tragic, downtrodden, getting beat up, abused black woman to be, to be, be, be able to be seen. She says, I thought that was hilarious, too. She has to be obese. She has to be super poor. She has to be illiterate. She has to have an abusive mother who molests her. She has to be a rape victim of her father. She has to be a teenage and pregnant. She has to be HIV positive. She has to have a baby with Down syndrome. See, now, now you're making me now you're making me not like this chick, bro. Now you now you're twisting the whole damn thing around. No, now I'm looking she, at but her. But what she's saying is that in order to be able to be seen as a human being, as a black person, you have to have all this extra shit going on as, a, as opposed to I just grew up with some nice parents in a nice neighborhood and I'm just like everybody else it's like nobody wants to hear that story that's not no real black story what happened what's your struggle how did you make it out of the hood that's the story everybody's right, trying good to hear times. From black folks. yeah like and everybody every Anytime black person ain't got that fucking story like, <laughs> I mean I mean I, I, I get that argument but like she had an issue with, with Lauren London right so she she's got her own issues with, I mean, fair enough, insecurity. She got her own issues with her own level of acceptance, where she's projecting things on other people who would also feel like their lives are not reflected in media. Like I, I've never seen the movie Precious before, but before Precious, how many Preciouses were there on film? Well, I think she's making been, a stereo, you know, I mean, a generalization. My exactly. That's, that's my point. Yeah. So she's making a generalization and she uses that with several others because that's a lot added to Precious as well. But she's also fairly comedic. So she's making a point using a little bit of comedy, but still saying, I do not see my reflection anywhere in Hollywood. And, and that, that's been said by several people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's common. I mean, that that's fair. Yeah, so basically that statement is just saying, "Hey, I don't see my image." And she talks about, you know, she has natural hair. And sometimes I look at a lot of this and we think about the time periods, we think about what's going on at the time, and I'm a little bit past that. So I can remember you know, when people were going through that. And when you live long enough, those things seem to change. So now, you know, especially with where she is now, natural hair is definitely a thing. You know, she that's, that is not an issue anymore. You are be hard-pressed now to find someone in your circle who relaxes their hair all the time. It's just the way things change. And the way she rocks her natural hair on the show is pretty dope. You know, every scene she has a different hairstyle. Right. And well, I her light skinned mama was rocking natural hair and it won't cool. I mean, it was cool for her because she was light skinned and light skinned people can express their blackness more than these brown skinned people can. That's the foolishness she said too. Well, Remember? it was a different time for her mom's old because it was like that, the 60s, 70s. It was the 60s, everybody 70s, was. Yeah, but so she could express her pride. And she was light-skinned and got a pass. So, again, she's projecting these insecurities. Are we talking about her mom and her aunt? Her aunt, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about what she said about them. 
Right, but because she said like they were they were able said. to wear that natural hair, but I can't because I'm dark skinned so I got a I got a perm. My my mom don't understand no, what's going on with me. No, it wasn't the fact that she was light they were light skinned. It was, it was the fact pride, that they had know? hair that looked like it had been chemically treated. No, that was wearing fro. Yes, it was the good hair, bad hair argument that goes all the way back to the beginning of wherever black people that, decided Teresa. to split. I, I, I good saw hair, that bad hair, jigaboos, and... No, I get that part. I get that part. Hold on, hair. you're saying you're saying that her mama had quote-unquote good hair. Yes. I didn't take that away from that. I thought she had that. Yeah, her mother was from New Orleans and half black, half Native American. She had a lot of Native American in her. See if I can. Yeah, she said that. Good and bad what? Oh, wannabes. I was I about mean, to I'm, lose it. I knew I it was coming, that. the jigaboos <laughs> and the wannabes. I mean, she talked about that scene and how it had an impact on her life. I mean, this chick dedicated, y'all was getting on me last week when I said the foolishness, but this chick got a whole chapter about black and Asian people dating, talking about black women and was it Japanese men? Or yeah, the, uh, Chinese the, men. Well, we hadn't gotten there yet. And we all over the place anyway. So, but <laughs> but it's but, I mean, but it's just insecurity thing. Like, I'm gonna stand on this point. To you like, about that. like as much so, as I fair, as, as much as I like the sister, now I see her bullshit in ways that I didn't before. That's all I'm saying. You well, know, you that, are. And, 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 but that's but that's but that's also why I stopped watching the show. Like I was enjoying the show, and then it went into some bullshit. Like I just don't. Yeah, I, I might. Not, yeah, she cool though. I mean, she's smart. But she had representation. I mean, she she saw the fucking Cosby's. She knew what that was about. So it's like that's everybody's story. Her awkwardness is not unique to her, but she's great in telling the story. That's what I'm saying. In that that chapter about the Asian men and the black women, she did kind of echo some of Kevin Samuel's sentiments. Uh. When she said, educated black women are too high maintenance, high strong, and independent. Division they don't need of men. Labor. Division of labor. That's what I'm... <laughs> there is a widening gap between the education of black women and men, which doesn't leave very many suitable suitors. Unfortunately, the higher one's degree as a black woman, the lower your chances of getting married. And to compile the stereotypes of being loud, complicated, and difficult. Black women, your reputation sucks. Right. So she's also trying to be funny. Let's remember that (laughs) she is in the business to make people laugh. And so it's kind of a jokey joke, but she's also pointing out some facts. So, yeah, the joke is being made that, hey, here's a group that is way over here that they say can't get a woman. And here's a group over here that they say can't get a man. Why don't we just put them together? And that was her joke. Asian men are also overburdened with racial stereotypes that really don't work in their favor. Why wouldn't women want to marry and reproduce with the men who are classified as intelligent and hard workers? Maybe because Asian men are frequently emasculated in the media or represented as sexless props for comic relief. Oh, 
if only they could absorb the burden of black male stereotypes, genitalia exaggerations included, maybe their demand would increase. Maybe they will make all the differences. Instead, the plight of Asian men is nearly the same as that of black women, except for the fact that their women tend to marry white or other far more often. In fact, Asian Americans have the highest rate of intermarriage. Asian men, your reputation sucks too. I mean, it's funny. It's funny, but you know. It's true though. Like, ain't nobody checking for y'all. I want to go back to her dad. Okay. Dr. Jope. Dr. Jope. Dr. I just say Diop. They can't pronounce my shit. (laughs) Um, Through it all, through the divorce, through her not wanting to talk to her dad because of his new woman and her not inviting her dad up because he was going to bring his new woman up to her play. Through it all, her dad never removed his covering from her. He was always there. I'm just bugging off this book. I got a book called The African Origin of Civilization, Myth or Reality by Sheikh Anti, who we would talk Sheikh Anti Diop, but Sheikh Anti Jope, edited and translated by Mercer Cook. Sheikh Anti Diop Jope. is how I, how I was, you know, Jope. This is a multi-trained, multi-disciplined scholar. He was a linguist. He was an engineer. He was a physicist. He created the uh, melanin dosage test that was able to allow them to test the melanin content in the the the, the skeletons in the tombs in Egypt, which determined that the ancient Egyptians were in fact black. And you know, so her father. I'm playing around now. She talks about how names in Senegal are very common. I forget the name. She she was two names in particular. She talked about how everybody has the same names. Amadou. Uh, Amadou. Amadou, yeah. yeah. So, you and know. Malik. And Malik. Her dad, you know, was a very, very smart dude, man. I mean, this this sister, she was just put on the right path to, for brilliance, man. I'm not, I forget where you were going, Lenny, but. She was know. put on the right path and her dad believe in pouring resources into oh, his children's future. She talks about how her dad, when she was living in New York, and he paid $10,000 to invest in her film dream he, and the he, computers and cameras and such. He, She said he had no problem spending money on her education and, 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 and going to Senegal, like her culture. But the bullshit stuff, he, he would not spend his money on the superficial things that, you know, uh, a, a kid would want. Sometimes Jordans, you know, Jordan. Yeah, you ain't get no damn Jordans. You know, we wear we wear Jesus dollars You better get some of these K Swiss or these feelers. You know? But look, she had a she had the internet, right? We we don't want to miss that again. You know, at one point in time, it was the encyclopedia. At one point in time, it was a bookcase, right? If you went into a family, and the bookcase was something that would be used to kind of distinguish the probability of this kid being successful, and later it became encyclopedia and then it became the internet and so she she was definitely on the right path she was she had all the tools to her access let's move on besties before testies 
sisters Asian. before misters. <laughs> Let's get into her love life and her escapades with these different men. It just, like you've stated so many times, it's the story of a young girl coming of age. So you're going to go through a couple of frogs to find a prince. So that's pretty much where we were with that. Hey, frogs to princes. Well put. She did say something about Taz that jumped out to me. She said, uh, Taz and I had a strong sexual attraction to each other. Right. Which a lot of times will equate to Toxic. a lot of bad fights. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. They That sexual attraction and the feelings that they had for each other ended up having them living with each other. I hate you, Jody. I hate that movie. I love you, Jody. Mm-hmm. So once that was over, though, and this is where I can see the maturity, but also can see the dysfunction she just let it go. She knew, but she let it go. And I don't know if men do that as well, but women a lot of times will be in a relationship and know it's over, but are just waiting on that moment when it can just organically dissipate. No, we wait for a fight. I've walked away from a relationship before, but I've also heard that men don't walk away from relationships. We kind of let the woman leave us. We Bruh, I've leave never physically. With a girl before, like dog. we start moving on with other girls and we I've been dumped so many times. You mean emotionally? And emotionally <laughs> we're not there. And we just kind of wait till you stop calling us. But I think but we'll never officially be like do the right thing say, you know what, baby, it's not working. Some men do, some men don't. I was yeah, dude, more, in the story, um, broke up with her because he was well, he was trying to break up with her. Because he, the African guy, well, yeah, all, he was like, you don't, was, you don't feel African. me, like you ain't trying to get down with this, and she was like, no, I'm, I'm good. That's, I want to be friends with benefits. Yeah, and he's like, que, que, que si, como? Men can, men be on some bullshit, man. No, they do. Men be on some bullshit, <laughs> and we we won't know it until some stories like this. Because like you know, we just won't know it, man. We'll be on some Please straight bullshit. Please don't take this as a Bible, because she said many times that her parents' relationship put her on this path. And if you've watched the show and now read this book, you know that she made a lot of bad relationship choices. She will purposely cheat on somebody just so she could cheat on them before they cheat on her. And that's why I stopped watching that dumbass show. Like that's I just crazy, cannot, ain't it? I, I was could, reading something I about that. I couldn't handle that. I could not handle that. Like I just don't get it. Like Well, it's about the vulnerability. Okay, we're back to that. People don't want to be vulnerable to someone, so they just go ahead and mess it up. Because that way they don't have to have those emotions. That's horrible. What's the point? What's the point of love if you can't be vulnerable and like? Because so many people can't. It's hard to open up yourself to someone because once you do that, you allow yourself the ability to be be hurt. Vulnerable. 
Well, and to be vulnerable means that I could be hurt. So when you've come from a place that you always saying, I do not want to be hurt. I do not want to be like my parents. And she also said that she never saw any affection from her mother and her dad. That's Why you think that was? Like His dude was shit. French. French people. <laughs> no, he was African. Yeah, he African. They just speak. Right. He was French, French colonized by the French. Colonization. The motherfuckers. Yeah. Have you met them dudes before? I mean, no, you know, I, man, brothers from the continent come in all different flavors. And them brothers right there, they be some slick people, bro. Like Pepe Le Poo. Oh, they be slick. The, all them French speaking brothers be slick as hell, man. They, they know how to put that shit on. You know, they know how to put that shit on, bro. Well, she was, she kind of mentioned that when she went to France and the public public display of affection, PDA. Right. Man, every every African brother I met that was from that French influence, them brothers, they could they could pull that shit on. And so, you know, why she didn't see that at home? Was her mom on that bullshit? Was her daddy? I don't know, man. I don't know. Or maybe they just wasn't that type, you know? What is this? All right. Let's wrap this up. I want to get some ratings. I'm going to start with you, Harvey. I mean, you have to rate this book one through 10. One through 10, um, I give it a strong um, seven and a half. Very easy to read, very digestible, very easy to keep the pages turning. If you listen to it, very easy to listen to. It's, It's pretty funny and enjoyable. So yeah, I give it a strong seven and a half. I I did. I was curious though. Donovan said memoir earlier, and I was for my nerdy self was just kind of scratching my head. Like, what is what is this book? Is it? It's not an autobiography. Like, what is this? Is you know? It's just it's just a perspective. It's a snapshot. It's just some storytelling. I guess I don't know, but just her misadventures. I guess Mis- yeah. uh, Why is it not a memoir or an autobiography? I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's an autobiography. I would. I would like to think that an autobiography is meant to say this is who I am and my contribution to the world, as opposed to this is like, you know, let me tell you about the shit I experienced and how I see what's going on. I think. I think it's a different purpose, but I, I still enjoy it all the same. I just. I think. Was I think I got that. that out of this book. This is who she is, and her contribution to the world is insecure. Okay. Yeah, I um Safe got, to say. Okay. I got all of the different people she got to be throughout this book cuz I mean throughout this throughout this book she um we said it's a coming an age story but it's like it's it's about her kind of just trying to establish an identity. That's whole, that's even where that whole reflection thing comes from cuz it's like she's trying to see herself but she's also trying to form herself into something and she's not really sure what it is. Is it is the girl who can dance and got all his friends? Is it the girl with the nice hair? Is it like the sexy chick you want to be with from the internet? I don't know. I, I, I think it's autobiography, but it's like a, I guess it's like one of those things on personality. Like, who are we until we become who we are? So I like that. That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of like going through these phases of like trying on, I guess, these different personas until she gets the one that fits because her normal one is just awkward and doesn't fit anything. I don't know. Um, I'll give it a nine. Teresa? 
I think I give it a nine. It was a lot lighter than a lot of what we've been reading. It's hard to rate because I think about all the books that we've read and I feel like I'm having comparisons, but I'm trying to isolate this book for just itself. So I think I'll give it a nine. Okay. Uh, over the course of the Bros Bookshelf, we have read some really, really good books. Some really, really well-written books. Um, like the Tower of Westover's Education, the Kiesa's Heavy, the... Um, <laughs> Giovanni's Room. Giovanni's Room, James Baldwin, the Brent Bennett's Vanishing Half. So I can't put them up. I can't put this book up there with them. And I gave those books nines and tens. With that being said, I give this book a, a six. It's above average. No, I give it a five. It's it average. was poorly constructed. I think mm. Teresa's point. It, it was very poorly constructed, and I think a better better presentation would have made a better book. And I think you'd have gave it a higher higher than a five. I think. I don't want her to take this personally, though. If you listen, if you <laughs> no. listen to my podcast, okay. I love your show. <laughs> I think that when we talk about it being yeah, I said you poorly constructed, we would then have to dissect her personality because I don't think that she would have done anything any different than this. I think the way that she wrote the well, book is a reflection you. of what she's putting out. It was put together awkwardly. So... That's why I felt like I needed to isolate it for itself and expect from it what I was going to expect from it, which was awkwardness. Well, that wraps up another podcast episode of the Bros Bookshelf. Thank you for listening. Click subscribe. Share with your friends. Hit that like button. <laughs> Give us a five now. star rating. Right now. Do it right now. First of all, this was one of the fastest recordings we've ever had. Our, it wasn't yeah. much to cover. It wasn't. You're right. It, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs>